Pastor we got to uh, another parable in Matthew chapter 18. So our second one in a row from, from Matthew chapter 18, we talked about forgiveness. And um, if you had had more time, what would we have talked about? Yeah, it was the parable of the unmerciful servant. And um, that's a pretty well-known parable. Um, a guy gets into debt um, in relationship with the king. And, you know, it's a, it's a huge debt. It's an unpayable debt. And, um, you know, Jesus tells the story that this king um, decides that the only, the only way that this debt can be evened out is to sell the man and his family into slavery. And he would kind of, he and his family would work for the rest of their lives to, uh, to scratch the surface on this debt. So the man, the servant, goes to the king and um, begs for mercy. And the king doesn't even have to think about it. He immediately offers the man mercy, says, your debt is forgiven. And uh, then the man goes out and uh, finds someone that owes money to him and is uh, very cruel, very harsh. Scripture um, says, the NIV anyway, says that he actually chokes the man. Yeah, I had never noticed begging. that before. It says he it's, chokes him. It's yeah. very violent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jesus' point is um, obviously that when we have been forgiven so much by God through Jesus Christ, um, you know, we are called, we are expected, um, and we are empowered to um, offer forgiveness to one another, the same kind of generous spirit. And uh, as I've thought about that, kind of in the aftermath of preaching it, um, I really think, I think it has a lot to do with our identity in Christ and, and how much we own that. And uh, related to that, I think it really has to do with, with our priorities and what we're striving for and who we're trying to please in life. Because when you think about it, what's the barrier to forgiveness? The barrier to forgiveness... Um, well, it can be a couple of things. One is you lose face in front of somebody or sure. a group of people because when one person goes and asks forgiveness of another, ordinarily there's more people than just the two of them that are aware of a situation. And so it's maybe perceived as um, an act of weakness mm. and somebody loses face. So that that's a barrier to forgiveness. But... But also, it, you know, it has to do with um, our identity as well. You know, all of us, while we profess all day long that we are unrighteous and that we're not righteous, when it comes to how we look in the eyes of our community and our family, you know, we we want to be looked at as people who are in the right. And it's it's hard for us to, to stand up and admit, hey, we were in the wrong in this situation. And so I think that I think that the way we need to examine forgiveness and the way we need to examine our own hearts where it comes to forgiveness, I mean, we need we need to double down on our identity in Christ. Hey, our identity is secure, regardless of what other people think. You know, I am counted righteous only because of what Christ has done for me, and that's my identity. And I have to be satisfied with that, regardless of how other people are going to perceive me. There's all kinds of implications uh, to having a stable identity in Christ. Uh, but it's a lot easier said than done. Sure. 
Where where does somebody start? I think I think somebody starts with prayer. I, I mean, we can't do this stuff on our own. We can't generate this kind of of power, the power that it takes to forgive on our own. And so, I mean, really, first and foremost, we need to take this to God in prayer. But then, you know, it's not just our identity, but it's also our priorities. And we we want our priorities to be the same as God's priorities. And, you know, when it comes to forgiveness, Scripture is crystal clear on what's expected of us as believers. And when you look at Jesus' harsh words at the end of that parable... You know, when the king, you know, calls in the servant and sends him to prison to be tortured, not just to work off his debt, but to actually be tortured because of the way that he behaved. Jesus says, you know, it's going to be the same way for those of you who profess to be in me, but, you know, don't live the way that, that I have taught you and, and commanded you to live. And that's, that's scary stuff. That's, that's, that's eternity type stuff. Yeah. Judgment Day stuff. Yeah. And I I need to take it more seriously. I suspect that many believers need to take that much more seriously. Mm. Forgiveness is not a luxury. Mm. Forgiveness is an expectation. Sure. Yeah. One of the most compelling things from the sermon for me was uh, waiting to forgive. So uh, different, you know situations in my life have been like, okay, I, I, I want to forgive this person and move on, uh, but they haven't repented or, or haven't seen a need to repent, or, or maybe they don't know uh, that I've been hurt by something. Um, and, and that's not to say I've not hurt people myself, right? But it's just something I've dealt with. So, so this waiting to forgive or, or being ready, take a posture that's ready to forgive uh, when the moment arrives. I've, I've done a lot of thinking about that just with, with, with situations in my life and I'm drawn to, to Paul's words in Corinthians to be an ambassador for reconciliation, an ambassador for reconciliation. So how do I hold both of those things to be true? I want to be an ambassador for reconciliation, which is kind of a call to action, right? Be, be out on the front lines, working at <coughs> reconciliation, right? Mm-hmm. This person might not know they need to repent, but but I'm still actively trying to reconcile uh, versus recognizing that repentance is a work that's initiated by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and I need I need to let God and this individual do his work kind of have to. their moment, right? Yeah. So how do you walk that line? How do, how do you know when to force an issue, when to have a tough conversation, when to wait, when to, when to let a relationship have a cooling off period, for lack of a better term? I mean, these are really difficult relational things, so I, I don't expect you to have a... Oh, oh, here's the passage that answers all that. But what are some kind of guiding principles, maybe? Yeah, so what you're talking about, forgiveness and reconciliation in a perfect situation Mm. is like a closed loop. If I do something that offends you, do something that hurts you, um, I realize it, you realize it. 
I come to you and I should come to you immediately. I mean, there's, when you're talking about cooling off periods, yeah, that's, that's all well and good, but I don't think scripture is necessarily telling us, okay, I, I know I should forgive, but I'm kind of waiting for God to give me the green light. Mm-hmm. I think it's more forceful than that. Mm-hmm. And so let's say this happens. My responsibility as a believer is to come to you um, before the sun sets. I mean, that's another pl- in sure. scripture. Yeah. And ask your forgiveness. And in a perfect world, you would say, you know what, Drew, I, I forgive you. Um, we're good. Let's, let, let's, let's move forward with this. That's a closed loop. Yep. What I was talking about with regards to sometimes we have to settle for a posture and an attitude and just a readiness for that loop to close. That doesn't mean that we don't forgive someone it means that we do forgive someone, but they're not necessarily going to, um, they're not necessarily going to repent, or you know, there's not going to be closure. Mm. And the other way around too, mm-hmm. somebody somebody asks for our forgiveness, you know, we have the choice of whether to close the loop or not. We can accept it or not accept it. And I think that what Scripture is telling us is when it is in our power, close we. The we do as much as we can to make the circle. And if the other person closes the loop, wonderful, glory be to God. If another person chooses not to close the loop, we just have to kind of be in readiness, having forgiven or having received forgiveness. And and that's the, the type of posture I think Scripture's calling us to. Then what would my responsibility be? If you if you've been hurt by somebody, wronged, whatever the again, lack of a better term, kind of thing, uh, and maybe they don't know it, mm-hmm. is it my responsibility to bring it to their attention, lest they continue on in un, unknowing unrepentance? I mean, you get some of this in mm-hmm. Levitical law, mm-hmm. where it says. Um, when you come to know that you have sinned, bring your guilt offering, mm-hmm. right? So, so there is a, God, God has built in some understanding, knowing that uh, we might come to know sin as we progress in, in sanctification. Sure. Um, is, it, is it my job to, to take it to my offender? I think it is. And you have that contained in Matthew 18 too. Mm. The only, the only yeah, thing that reference. causes me to pause is that Sometimes we're sometimes we are dealing with outright sin and sinful behavior and sinful patterns, and that's a way that we mm-hmm. hurt each other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're talking about life in a sinful world, and I can offend you without meaning to, sure. without any kind of vindictiveness. And either way, I think Scripture tells brothers and sisters in Christ to have a level of communication where we can freely encourage and build each other up and where we can freely come to each other and say, you know, I still love you, but that that hurt me what you did or what you Mm. said. Mm. I mean, um, you know, we're we're outside of specific Scripture passages now, but, but I feel like that's the... That's the atmosphere, that's the environment that Christ wants for his church, mm. where we can communicate honestly and openly with one another facts and feelings and work through them to God's glory. Yeah. Uh, how, and 
this is a move, so I'm not saying these are these are necessarily related. I'm, I'm talking about another type of situation now. As forgivers and ambassadors of reconciliation, how do we think about matters of discipline? So uh, I'm talking with the youth group about 1 Corinthians 5, expel the immoral brother. It says, do not even eat with such people. And I'm personally dealing with what that means, right? Uh, there's also other situations where, where Timothy says, Paul says to Timothy, turn those people over to Satan, right? The same thing in 1 Corinthians 5. Turn them over to Satan, uh, again, so that he may be saved uh, on the day of the Lord. But how do we do reconciliation in those types of situations? We're, we're closing the loop is... We're, we seem to be doing the exact opposite, mm-hmm. at least... We're keeping at, everything open-ended. At the initiation of discipline, right? It's, it's purposely breaking the loop. <clears throat> I think that... As, this is a tough issue. And it's, Thanks it's, a lot. It's situation by situation, I understand. When it, when it comes to this stuff, <clears throat> church discipline included, I think that we always need to have the end goal at the front of our minds. Hmm. And so whether you're talking about, like we did last week or the week before, the thread that's holding someone to right. a body of believers, or whether we're talking about, you know, I just can't be around you right now. I have to, I have to separate myself from you because I cannot condone the lifestyle that you've chosen or the pattern of sin, the course of action mm-hmm. that you've taken. We need to, we need to balance our reactions situation by situation or our course of action situation by situation, keeping the end goal in mind. Mm. And so if somebody needs you to still be the voice of reason and love and inviting back, regardless of the behavior that they have decided to pursue, then, I mean, you have to discern God's call to be that person. And then there are other times, I do think, where particularly in friendships, and it gets a little bit hairier when you're talking about family situations, you just have to say, look, I just can't, I can't reconcile this with myself. I think what you're doing is wrong. I want to make that clear. And that's why I have to buffer myself or protect myself and my family from what you are doing, right? Yeah. Both of those things can be effective in calling someone back into the church. And ultimately, that's the Holy Spirit that's working. But I think that discernment takes a lot of prayer in individual situations. Sure. And Jesus, I, I, in thinking about this now, I guess demonstrated both of those things. Uh, certainly eating with tax collectors mm-hmm. and sinners and, and inviting those people to participate as his disciples and followers, uh, giving them the same message that he gave the most self-righteous of Israelites. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, he also has these, these aspects of his ministry where he says, brush off your sandals and... Leave. And, and leave. Go and sin no more. Yeah, he, he, he goes to his hometown and says, I'm not going to, I've brought you the message and I'm not going to establish it with the signs and wonders because uh, 
you you have unrepentant hearts. You you won't hear it. He, he first says says no to the Syrophoenician woman when she asked for this blessing, and uh, right. And then when he realizes her heart, maybe realizes the wrong word for the divine Jesus, but but you understand what I mean. He, he's yeah. got these two aspects of his ministry: certainly very <coughs> loving and welcoming, mm-hmm. uh, but also um, not compromising, preaching standards. and teaching the effectiveness of mm-hmm. of walking away. Yeah. And that's it's tough to hold both of those things. Um, but when we remember what the message was and still is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? For, for I offer you the for- forgiveness of sins. It helps us to to stay focused. Just as a just as a last thought, the most intense prayers I find that I pray as a pastor um don't have to do with necessarily healing people from sickness and that sort of thing. Because, you know, if I'm confident in someone's faith, you know, God's will be done. It's, it's fine. But when it comes to forgiveness, I feel that that's where the most intensity of prayer I have is, is directed because I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about eternal destinations for people. Um, whether or not they're they're showing this fruit of God's forgiveness in their lives and letting it spill over into the lives of others, you know.